Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. There are some reaction videos that I did not get a chance to finish last time. Some long ones here. We watched this one. We watched Caleb, my man Caleb. We loved him. Let's see what this guy thinks about baby metal fans. There's a lot of response videos. I think that's cool. I'm I'm happy about that. By the way, I haven't watched any of these. You know, when I, I share some of these on Twitter and stuff and people think I'm lying when i say that i haven't watched these i i genuinely haven't so these are my uh my my legitimate uh first response reactions to all these let's watch this video from wyatt this is a response to my trap metal video i have nothing against him but a lot of his takes and viewpoints i felt like needed a second look and a second opinion on because they felt really misguided and surprisingly, a lot of you guys agreed with me with that video. I have nothing against him. I have no vendetta against the punk rock NBA. But <laughs> it seems as if now the punk rock NBA is getting a little bit infamous, it seems, with the rest of the YouTube music community. Because now I'm seeing even more and more responses from other people By the way, I think it's awesome when people make these. And even if they're super critical, like... That's, uh, that's, that's exciting to me. I'm happy that I did anything that people care enough about to react to it to that extent. I hope I don't come across as butthurt. I think it's awesome when people make these. It seems like his takes on a lot of things haven't really improved all that much. Trap metal and the future of metal. Before we even jump into the video, the title alone has already got me scratching my head and making me roll my eyes. Not because of trap metal. That's not the problem here. It's not like I'm this incel metal fan that's just like, ugh, trap music and metal music can't go together, me angry. That's not the problem. If anything, I think it's kind of cool that metal is just that expansive with its sound that you can blend two different worlds together with it, like trap music, and still make a cohesive sound that- It seems reasonable so far. I have no issue with anything he said. The real problem is the next part on it that says the future of metal. That phrase and that question never fails to make me roll my eyes over and over again because I've seen it countless times. Well, that is exactly why I put it in the title of the video because people like to rage click. So sounds like that worked. It seems like 
anything, whether it's an artist or a niche little subgenre, gets any type of extra success compared to what we're normally accustomed to within the realms of metal, people automatically jump the gun and go, future of metal, this is the future of metal, this is what's going to be the next big thing. It happened with metalcore, it happened with deathcore. Both of which were the next big thing and sold lots and lots more records than any real metal band was selling at the time, so that was correct. Any freaking time something new gets a little bit big, they automatically assume it's the future of metal. I think he, my, my advice to him would be that he should maybe edit these videos a little bit more because I think he's made this point already. The future of metal is simply, it's always going to be a thing. Well, that seems like a little bit of a reductive thing to say. What we are talking about in these articles is, um, you know, what is going to be popular in the future and why and what is that going to look like? Uh, and maybe he thinks that people shouldn't have that conversation. If so, that seems like kind of a strange thing to me. Like it seems, I don't know, people talk about that in every other kind of entertainment, right? Is Stranger Things the next big thing? Is, you know, cyberpunk going to be the next big thing? I mean, that's a normal thing to talk about in an entertainment, I guess. I'm not sure why that would be upsetting. Judas Priest as a template for this, okay? They've been around since the 70s. That's 50 years they've been active. That's 50 years of influence on countless artists out there. The reason why metal will always have- I'm not really sure I would agree that that's 50 years of influence. I could be wrong, but I don't think too many current artists are naming Judas Priest as an influence. I think that was what you heard in like, you know, maybe Anthrax's generation, you know, in the early 80s. It's one of the most reliable sounding genres out there. Imagine for 50 years, you have the sound of traditional heavy metal still being carried over, still as solid as when it started out. That's the reason why metal's always going to have a future, is it's just so reliable. But those guys are like literally in their 70s now, right? Like how much longer can they, maybe 60s? I don't know. Those dudes are old. No disrespect to them, but they can only keep playing for so long. And this is the point I've made many times is like, where's the fresh blood? You know, when people consider Parkway Drive an up and coming new band, they've been a band for like 20 years. This is the problem. In their point of view, the statement is the future of metal is what's going to be the next big thing that's going to help propel metal into the mainstream again. Correct. There's always these questions about how come bands like Cannibal Corpse and Emperor and Morbid Angel that have sold hundreds of thousands of copies, how come they've done it and all these new artists can't do that with an extreme metal because uh, think about it. Look at the times we're in right now. Back then Yeah, but my point in the video is that a lot of these artists are getting millions and millions of streams. Like Suicide Boys has more monthly listeners on Spotify than Slipknot does. That's that's my point in the video is that this stuff is by far the most popular form of extreme music right now, and yet, you know, the metal community doesn't seem to embrace it. That's my 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 point and the question in the video is why not and is that going to change? Thanks to the internet, there are endless amounts of artists to choose from out there. It's made it so accessible to discover all this underground hidden gems within just extreme metal alone from Bandcamp and Spotify and YouTube and any other streaming services out there. It's it, it's kind of pulverizing to some degree. Th that's very true, which, but again, my point is these artists are getting millions and millions of streams. So if the argument is that because of over oversaturation, there's nothing new that can cut through the noise, the data shows that that's not true. 
reading be kind. Especially because, you know, I'll, I'll hear people say that the next big thing in metal is like tomb mold or blood incantation. And then I go look these artists up and they have like 30,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And I'm not putting that down or disrespecting that 30,000 people is, is a lot, but you know, compared to scar lord or suicide boys with two or eight million listeners it's like not even in the, it's like several orders of magnitude off right on a weekly basis i'm discovering like five new artists like averagely it's just fucking nuts so personally i really can't see any style I also think that's been the case for a long time. You know, even back in the MySpace days, I remember just being overwhelmed by how many new artists there were. So I don't think this is new. Of metal from new or old being propelled into the mainstream nowadays when there's just endless possibilities to choose from. From, again, just extreme yeah, metal not, and we'll, metal. We'll like skip how ahead a bit. he got tired with it and how it kind of resembles how he got tired with extreme metal. There were still tons of people doing trap metal, actually more than ever, but it all just kind of sounded the same to me. How much of it can you really listen to? It's basically the same issue that I have with a lot of extreme metal. By design, there's really no melody in the music. And once the shock value of like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that wears off, it gets kind of tiring. And once you've heard one song in the genre, you kind of heard them all. Finn, literally you could have just said, hey guys, I just look at the surface of extreme metal. I haven't dived I have probably been listening to death metal longer than this person has been alive. I've been listening to death metal since like 1990. Any more into it? I don't really know that much about it. And that could have been totally fine. But to just assume that all of it's just bland and the same, it's like, dude, we would have so much more respect if you just straight up said, hey, I don't know much about it. And then went from there. I guess I don't really care you know, if these people believe that I know about death metal or metal in general or not, because whatever, I mean, that's not, uh, it's not something that keeps me up at night. It says in the chat here, I wear shirts, you know, I wear cerebral incubation shirts and I have like oppressor songs on my playlist and stuff. Like I I'm not a death metal tourist. I have a morbid angel tattoo. I've been listening to this stuff literally for 30 years. I don't really know what I could say that would make somebody like him believe that I actually listen to death metal. I don't know, I'm, I'm at a loss. But it isn't until we get towards the end of the video that all of his points, a lot of his statements just fall right apart. We'll start it off with the beginning of how he views the future of trap metal is the next big thing, which of course he always has to bring up the numbers with Spotify. For example, the band Loathe, they have 159,000 listeners on Spotify. Scarlord literally has 10 times as many listeners as they do. But careful everyone, don't wanna talk down Spotify too much. And one of the guys that did a response video to uh, the punk rock NBA a while back, I believe it's Steve McKay, he did a- I'm gonna watch this one also. I hope it doesn't seem like I'm trying to dunk on this guy or that I'm upset or anything. This is a perfect, I think this is a perfectly reasonable response video. I think it's awesome that he made this. I don't think he's being butthurt. You know, I obviously don't agree with him on all this, but I, I you know, I don't, I don't think he's being out of line at all here. And I think it's cool that he made this. In that video, he states that the punk rock NBA blocked him on Instagram because of his remarks to Spotify. I was motivated to make this video because well, yeah, this guy, like, 
I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was just kind of like ranting to me in like DMs about Spotify. And I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but I was like, you know what? Enough of this. I don't need to have somebody flooding my inbox with like this kind of angry stuff. Finn McKenty, you know, blocked me on Instagram because I told him he comes off like a bit of a cunt. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. He called me a cunt. Yes, I'm going to block anybody who calls me names. Yes. Like, if you call me a cunt or an asshole or douchebag or anything else, I'm going to fucking block you. Yes. If that makes me, uh, you know, a, a pussy or whatever, that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to allow people to flood me with verbal abuse. I don't have an obligation to do that. If somebody is in your DMs calling you a cunt, I think you should block them. Like, that would be... That's the sane thing to do if you care about your mental health. He disses musicians raising issues about Spotify. I have never called a musician a cunt and I never will because that's verbal abuse and I don't do that. The reason why I bring up that he compares the numbers on Spotify to the metal bands, to the trap art, the trap metal artists, excuse me, is that he then states this about it. There are just no new metal bands putting up those kind of numbers. That's just a fact. And yet metal fans are oftentimes super dismissive of this stuff and talk about it like it's just some passing fad. I mean, if tens of millions of people are listening to this stuff, then there's definitely something here. And that kind of like dismissive, arrogant thinking is exactly the kind of attitude that's made metal less and less relevant every year. You do realize you're just expressing the fact that trap metal at this point is trending. I mean, for fuck's sake. Well, yes, that's my point. That is exactly what I'm expressing. Dude. Don't you remember that you have a whole series called What Killed the Genre? And every single video, no matter which one you click on, it's basically done the exact same way. That there is a new genre, people like it. Well, yeah, like you, like it says in the chat here, death metal was trending at one point as well in 1994, which is the whole point of that video. So anyway, uh, we don't need to watch this whole thing. This is getting on forever. But I, th I think this is a fine video. Uh, you know, obviously we disagree on some things, but I think this is reasonable. Are baby metal fans the toxic and mean? Punk Rock NBA thinks so. I think he, I don't know if maybe this person is uh, ESL or maybe there's a typo in his, in his video, but I like it. Are baby metal fans the toxic and mean? And this channel is uh, Mr. Deadman is the name of it. When you give a critical opinion of a band that's really popular and has a very active and passionate fan base, don't you expect them to react to your opinion. I need to do this look in a video sometime. The, you know, ranting, ranting in the den with a uh, poster of a tiger in the, the shades. I like it. Is a sign that that's a very passionate fan base. I made a video about baby metal where I don't think I was particularly um, critical of them. I said I didn't think their music was great. And I said that uh, I'm pretty sure in the beginning they lip synced, which I think is is true. Either way, uh, I was not aware of the stand factor with baby metal. They came for me in the comments of that video. I got called a xenophobe. Lots of people said I hate Asian people, which, you know, is, is uh, a little hard for me to believe since uh, my wife is Asian. So... Uh, safe to say I don't hate Asian people. I got everything in there, and which is fine. I'm not crying about it. I just had no idea that their fans were like that, which of course I should have because it's the intersection of like metal and and weeaboos, which so uh, uh, of course it is, uh, <laughs> of course they're awful. Okay, so you expressed your opinion, which fine, good, do that. You don't like BTS, but if the BTS fandom, uh, if their BTS army comes at you, don't, don't cry. You voice that you don't like it. So these other people come out and say, hey, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, 
this doesn't have anything to do with bts but. well i mean that's not really the way that people should react like if you encounter somebody that says uh, i'm not really a big fan of this thing uh that you like you shouldn't call them an idiot that's not the grown-up emotionally mature way to handle disagreements punk rock mba i think his take on this is really stupid he says that Baby Metal has a horrible or uh, the worst mean fandom. He kicked a Horden's nest. He made fun of Baby Metal. Uh, he did a mild critique, which, okay, he did a mild critique. I'll give him that. He did a mild critique of... Uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm I'm not crying about it. I'm just saying I didn't realize that... The, I didn't realize I was kicking a Horden's nest, but <laughs> I definitely found out. Of Baby Metal. But some things that were not completely accurate. And then, of course, what's going to happen is... Same thing you same thing that happens when you make a mild critique of a band or an East Lab or a YouTuber is their fans are going to respond, they're going to react, they're gonna say, Hey, that's not accurate, or they may call you they may call you names. They may call you names. Is that there's a couple of people that call you names. Does that really show like the rest of the fans? So I think his argument here, you know, which which is essentially the same one you hear all the time is the not all blanks. Like people say this about, you know, black metal all the time. Well, yeah, I know you got some nasty comments or I know that some, you know, black metal fans are racist, but not all black metal fans are like that. Not all baby metal fans are like that, which is true. You know, and of course, you hear this in politics all the time. Is the overall group responsible for the actions of some subset of that group? And to some extent, you know, that's a valid question. The answer is, of course, no, not every member of a group is responsible for the actions of some member of that group. But at what point do you accept that this is a pattern? What number would you need to see in order to acknowledge that perhaps this is a pattern and that uh, that this is an issue? So if I get 5,000 racist comments you know, on some video about rap, how many comments would you need to see in order to go, Ew, geez, maybe that is a little bit of a problem. Or if I get 5,000 like hateful ranty comments from baby metal fans, at, at what point would you say, all right, yeah, point taken. There is a little bit of a problem with that. It, it doesn't seem like there's a number that these people would ever acknowledge is, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's gotta be 5,001, checkmate. <laughs> so I, I, I don't really buy this argument. It's a valid point. I mean, certainly you can't hold everyone responsible for the actions of some subset, but I, I don't think this is a valid rebuttal behavior of the rest of the fans no 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 not at all besides what happens when you uh upset people who very really very much passionately love something oh well they're gonna come after you yes and that's a problem he's 100 right i'm gonna make a video about this maybe it might be my next video after next week um about stan culture because let's talk about this let's talk about stands let's let's work on this video together because this is something i've been wanting to do here on twitch you know write videos together i guess you would say what i do lots of times you know when i'm working on a video is i'll put out a message on twitter that i'm working on it and the stuff that you guys tell me on there and my replies oftentimes makes it into the video because you guys are smarter than me and, and i like to take credit <laughs> so let's do that here. Let's talk about stand culture. I think what he is saying here is he's describing the behavior of stands and kind of just saying, what are you going to do? This is the way it is. Yeah, famous last words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm probably going to get it in the comments of that one. That's their favorite thing. You just made fun of their favorite thing. Well, now they're going to come after you. Anyway, let him explain this. I saw that one coming, but another group of very, very, very mean and very hateful fans that I did not see coming is Baby. Look at that. Very, very mean and very, very hateful. I have experienced a lot of love from Baby Metal fans. A lot of love. 
Okay. Well, that's probably because you validated their existing beliefs. It's not hard to do that. When you validate people's beliefs, you know, that's what happens. Holy shit, they are brutal. I had no idea that this was the case until I made that video. And like I said, name any popular band to have any sort of criticism of that band, and you're going to have fans that come after you. <laughs> that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Does yeah, I, I think you're right. Like Dove Emoji says, he's basically excusing the behavior, though. I mean, that's true. Yes, like he's just basically saying deal with it. So we'll skip this one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that make titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. The Punk Rock NBA, why you should why you should listen to metal. I thought this guy said some dumb stuff, so I responded. I just wanted to show that he doesn't really know what he's talking about regarding metal music. If you've never listened to metal before, I'd recommend that you give it a chance. Let's see what he has to say. I'm not going to watch this whole thing, but... One of my favorite death metal songs of all time, by the way, by Suffocation. Trap metal. To me, this is a trendy new label for what I've come to understand as horrorcore plus screaming. There's probably some additional minutia or nuance to differentiate the two, but
But as an outsider looking in, that's what I see. What I can say with much more certainty, though, is that trap metal is a hip-hop subgenre. Why then do we have a video here titled Trap Metal and the Future of Metal? Well, that, that's I, I think that's an incorrect... That's a thing that I saw a lot in the comments, and that's not really... That's not really true. Hip hop people do not have anything to do with like trap metal. Like rap fans don't even know this shit exists. They definitely don't listen to it. So um, trap metal is culturally a part of alternative music, not rap. Uh, that's just a fact. Sounds like technical death metal in the future of country or Nickelback in the future of hip hop. Oh, well, I did a video about that too, actually. <laughs> But Nickelback in the future of rap. Funny you should mention that. Genre has no bearing on metal music, no relevance regarding the advancement of the metal genre, because they're not connected. They aren't stylistically related. So such a title is as ridiculous as tech death in the future of country. But it wouldn't be weird if there was actually a bunch of tech death and country crossover artists, then it would be a perfectly, perfectly sensible video to make. And if you're asking yourself, what the hell is trap metal? What that refers to is artists that sound like this. Or this. And with trap metal, I feel like metal could be creative and relevant again in a way that it really hasn't been in at least like 10 or 15 years. But only if the fans and the quote unquote metal establishment will embrace it as the future. By your own descriptions, this is not metal. Why then do you expect fans of metal to all of a sudden be into rap? Blending different genres can be fresh, absolutely. But why does it have to be trap metal? There's a plethora of other non-metal genres that could be just as reasonably considered for a musical cocktail. And by the way, an artist's t-shirt is not fucking relevant. I listen to a ton of metal bands. If I'm playing a black metal riff on my guitar, it doesn't magically become death metal or thrash metal if I'm wearing a suffocation or a Sodom No, but if you're wearing a Sodom shirt, we could reasonably assume that you know and care about thrash metal and, you know, we're taking some influence from that genre, right? I'm exhausted by these guys. I mean... I, I don't know what else to say. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. <laughs> Let's watch some TikToks. The following Thursday. This guy, he got mad because I blocked him on Instagram. And the reason why is because I think he called me uh, the, the word that starts with a C and rhymes with front. We were talking about this respectfully on, um, uh, in DMs and he was getting madder and madder. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, if you keep calling me names, I'm going to block you because I, I don't tolerate that. And I know that means something different in Australia, but I don't give a shit. He's not stupid. He knows what that means to an American. It's not cool. And I, I'm not going to tolerate people just like calling me names in my DMs. And if somebody's calling you names like that, it, it does not um, suggest that they have a great argument that they're about to lay on you. With that said, I have not watched this video. Maybe Maybe it is great, but... I doubt it, but let's watch it and find out. Welcome to episode 11 of... I'm wearing a hat because... I am a sad cap turd. I can be a sad cap turd as well. I want to do a rebuttal video, a civil rebuttal to a, a YouTuber called Finn McKenty. I am one of the only people on the internet with any kind of a following that orange criticizes again. metal. So this video that I'm making is really for musicians and anyone interested to learn how much of their monthly Spotify subscription actually goes to the artists they're listening to, especially artists that aren't in that top tier like Drake or Taylor Swift. And to ask the question if there are any alternatives to the status quo, is there a different way to distribute royalties? The good news is yes, there is a different way and it doesn't have to cost music fans any more than what we already pay. I 
fucking hate it when people complain about Spotify. Now, only I'm allowed to pitch shift people to make fun of them. I love streaming. Can't this use my own tricks on me. I mean, like all business in the music business, historically musicians get taken advantage of and I'm going to point out now that uh, how that's happening in this video. When it comes to streaming services like Spotify, Finn has misdiagnosed the distributed royalty rate to artists as the market calibrated value of music. This is actually not true. There is no per stream royalty rate. That does not exist. There is a total pool of royalties that are that are divided out among the artists on the system or the artists on the platform based on how many streams they get. They have an agreement with the uh, with with the labels, with all the rights holders, that they will pay out 65% of their revenue to the people on the platform. So the amount of money that goes to musicians depends on two things. There's a numerator and a denominator in this equation here. The numerator is how many total, or is the total amount of royalties, which is based on 65% of Spotify's Revenue, which is based on uh, how many subscribers they have and what the price is and all that kind of stuff. And then the denominator there is how many streams there were. And then you do the math from there. So you've got two things. You've got supply here and you've got demand here. And where those two things meet in the middle, that is called the market clearing price or the equilibrium price. This is the price that the market has decided this thing is worth. In Finn's XY axis, explaining the intersect between supply and demand determining price. Um, I believe you've missed the point entirely that the market value of music to a consumer is between 10 and $15 a month for as much or as little music as that consumer chooses. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's right about that, but a concept in economics called revealed preference. You know, there's the, the famous uh, Henry Ford quote, uh, if I ask people what they want, you know, because he, he created the first like popular car, um, if I asked people what they want, they would have said a faster horse. The the faster horse would have been their stated preference because oftentimes what people think they want or say they want is different from what they actually want. Their revealed preference is that when he gave them the option to buy a car, they bought a car instead of a horse. If you ask people, would you pay more for sustainable, um, uh, fair trade products? Lots of people will say yes. But in reality, the, the number of people willing to pay more for that product is a lot smaller than it actually is. So in this case, musicians, their stated preference, they're always saying that they want to get paid more, but their revealed preference is that they put their music on Spotify. So they have revealed that actually this is the market clearing price by putting their money on Spotify or putting their music on Spotify. They may roll their eyes and complain and whine about it and say that it should be more. But at the end of the day, they have accepted this price. So it actually is the market clearing price. Spotify is a marketplace that connects um, the owners of music to people who want to listen to music. And so there's two prices here. There's two market clearing prices. There's one for consumers and there's one for producers. And those are going to be two different things. So he's right that from a consumer perspective, the market clearing price is 12 bucks a month or whatever Spotify costs now. And then, and, and both sides of that have accepted that this is the system. This is their stated preference, their revealed preference. This doesn't make sense. He's saying that, that, spot that Pantera should get this 699 like that doesn't even make sense so this model is called the pro rata model and there is an alternative model and that is called the user-centric model Spotify user just plays walk Pantera gets six dollars and 99 cents why I am so confused why they would get 699 for playing walk once 
Deanna said, I think he's implying that that's the only song they play the entire month. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, so let's say that that's true. There was a study with a huge sample size of 8 million streams across 10,000 tracks and almost 4,500 artists from digital media in Finland. It was co-authored by a whole swag of trade organizations and the key finding was that Spotify's existing pro rata model pays 0.4% of blockbuster artists 9.9% of subscriber money. When the user... Why, I don't understand why... It, it, it sounds like he's saying this is a bad thing, but I don't understand why it would be. It is generally the case that in hits-driven businesses like entertainment, um, the, uh, the top fraction of hits um, generates the vast majority of engagement and revenue. So this is the part he's not, uh, he's not addressing here is um, what portion of plays. So the, it might be 0.4% of artists, but 0.4% of artists could very well account for 80% of streams, right? So that, that's the part he's leaving out here. It doesn't matter how many artists are out there. It matters how many streams are getting. Centric model was hypothetically applied that 0.4% blockbuster artists would have gotten 5.6% of subscriber money. I would like to see a, a spreadsheet here. Like it, this just sounds to me like somebody saying it's not fair because I don't think it's fair. Um, I, I need to see a spreadsheet here in order to understand what he's even trying to say. This person in chat here says, Donnie, he's basically complaining that bigger artists get paid more money than smaller artists, which is how it should be. I mean, yeah, that is how it should be. I saw some article that was like only 13,000 artists generate more than $50,000 a year based on Spotify royalties. And I was like, 13,000 people make 50 grand a year off Spotify? That sounds pretty fucking good to me. Yeah, why doesn't my band get paid the same as Halsey? A lot of these arguments to me just base, just come down to it's not fair. I'm open to that idea, but who gets to define what fair is? Maybe Drake doesn't think it's fair that some fucking random death metal band who just got one play a week gets uh you know a disproportionate share of of the spotify royalties under this model so I, i'm not convinced so far argument comes from spotify's own director of economics who essentially said it would be too administratively hard to implement a user-centric model so really streaming service deezer is rolling out a user-centric model next year in france i i believe that and look look how popular deezer is it's not so it's not too hard for Deezer. I find it hard to take seriously when Spotify stands to benefit more from the status quo. You could say they're also contesting a court-ruled royalty rate increase for songwriters. I'd say well, I mean, of course songwriters are going to sue for a higher, higher royalty rate, as they should. Everybody should negotiate for the most amount of money, the most money they can possibly get. So I, I'm not convinced, but like, of course songwriters are going to sue them. That doesn't mean that they have a valid argument necessarily say parody for artists is not on their spotify should try to make as much money art off artists artists should try to make as much money as they can off of spotify everybody should negotiate for as much money as they possibly can that's competition and it's a good thing it seems to me to be convenient to say ah you know yeah nah look we could do that but it'll end up worse because we have to like change shit and uh, you know, we've got like 4,000 employees and uh, how are we going to pay our hipster bloggers and playlist curators if we have to, you know, placate 99.6% of the artists generating the... As I talked about in my last stream, I like to operate on first principles thinking. So what I, what I would like to hear from him is what is a definition of fair? 
it's it's not persuasive to me that there's 99.6% of artists on this platform that feel like they're not getting paid enough. Lots of people feel lots of things. That doesn't make me believe that their their feelings are valid. Tell me why this isn't fair. I am certain that Drake probably generates more streams than like every random DIY bedroom project combined tenfold over. Why shouldn't he make more money? Like yeah, exactly. The monthly so in the chat here, ninety nine point six percent of workers feel they don't make enough. Obviously, like I mean, we all think we deserve a raise, right? I mean, and maybe you do. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not shitting on these musicians. I, I think it's totally valid to believe that you deserve more money, but you need to make a persuasive case as to why. And ultimately, I, I respect Taylor Swift because for years she wouldn't put her shit on Spotify. So there's everyone saying that they don't believe that the royalty rates are fair and blah, 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 but they put their money on, they put their music on Spotify anyway. And the reason why is because Spotify helps greatly with discovery. Nobody talks about like getting placement on an Apple Music or Deezer or Amazon. There's something like 400 or 200, whatever. There's hundreds of streaming music services. None of them really matter in terms of discovery other than Spotify. And so I, I think this is something people leave out all the time. The only reason that these random artists are getting any plays at all is because Spotify is very good at discovery, helps people find stuff. So uh, I, I think that's oftentimes left out of this discussion. And I respect Taylor Swift because she said, I don't think these rates are fair. And by the way, fuck you, I'm not putting my music on Spotify. Cool. Like if you really don't think they're fair, you should pull your music. So I respect that she did that. Let's say somebody offered you a dollar to like push a wheelbarrow full of bricks across town. You tell them to fuck off, right? Like if you truly believe that it's a bad deal, don't take it. Despite whatever platform changes are required, the user-centric model would prevent scams like stream farms, Google that shit, because you can never get back. I have heard the stream farms are a thing. Um, I would imagine, you know, Google, I mean, uh, Spotify rather has a lot of smart engineer, engineers. So I, I would imagine that they are aware of that and, you know, have countermeasures in place. But I, I have heard that's a thing. I don't have much more to say about this. To me, it just boils down to somebody thinks that the system isn't fair and they have another policy that they believe is better. And they're just saying Spotify should do this because that's just not how the world works. If you have a proposal that you want to make to somebody, you need to have some kind of leverage. For example, you know, if someone like Scooter Braun and say, you know, 20 of the other big time managers said that they, all their clients were going to pull their music from Spotify, if Spotify didn't, you know, renegotiate their agreement, then, then maybe something would happen, but you got to have leverage. So I don't know what to say, or at least a persuasive reason why this is better for their shareholders. You know, you could make the argument that at the end of the day, Spotify needs to keep artists happy and this will keep artists happier. And therefore, if you keep artists happy, then they're not going to jump ship and go to some other streaming service. And therefore, it's better for shareholders like the 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 management of any company has a legal obligation. They have fiduciary responsibility to maximize shareholder value. That is their literal job. And if they don't do it, they're breaking the law. So it is not their job to look out for DIY musicians. It is not their job to look out for anybody other than their shareholders. That's just the way it is. So you need to frame anything you're saying to them in, in those terms, or it's, it's just not going to be heard. This is just something to think about, you know, in your daily life. Generally speaking, my bosses have always said yes to my ideas because that's how I frame them. I, I frame them in terms of like, hey boss, here's what I want to do. 
And here's why it's a good idea for the company. And generally speaking, they say, all right, that that sounds like you've thought this through. Let's do it. That's the way you need to approach it with any of these things. And you know, for sure, these conversations have ha been had with people like this guy, this guy from BMG, like the people sitting down at the table are very smart people with a lot of negotiating power. So he's not the first person to think of this. There's a reason why this hasn't gone through. I don't know what it is, but there's, it's something that we don't know. So anyway, I could go on about this forever. Um, but that's the way you got to think about these things is like, anytime you're presenting an idea, ask yourself the question of what's in it for them, the person that you're presenting it to, they don't give a fuck what's in it for you. I mean, that's just the cold, hard truth is nobody cares about what's in it for you. You need to present any idea in terms of, Hey boss, here's what's in it for you. Here's why you should say yes to this. And if you can't answer that question, then you're probably just going to look stupid presenting the idea. So cold, hard truth. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.